Football team is officially in their bye week, but what can they work on, improve on, and what are our biggest takeaways after watching the USC film? We're talking about it on today's Locked on Utes. You are Locked on Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Lockdown News your first listen every single day. We are all available on all platforms, including YouTube. would appreciate you guys continuing to like and subscribe to our channels. We're continuing our journey to try to get to 500. Also, on today's show, Brian Brown is going to be joining us in just a moment. But my name is JT Wister, so appreciate all of you who tune in every single day to Lockdown News. And speaking of Brian, Brian Brown now joins us after I brought him out. And now officially bring him in on that one. So, Brian... This was a crazy game for the Utes, and I think it's really nice that now you have a bye week to kind of come down from that, work on and improve on a lot of things, which there's a lot of things you need to improve on, and we're going to talk about that in a second as well. But just cut down on – improve your technique, cut down on some of the mental bus as a team, sure up a lot of things, figure out who your guys really are at a few key positions. But I just think the bye week for this Utah team comes at a perfect time. It, it does, and it was a phenomenal game, and you can kind of hear it still in my voice. Uh, apparently, it's not a good idea to go to a football game and just cheer strictly for the officiating crew because they're bound to let you down. Uh, not that either side of the fan base is involved in this one are, are concerned about that, yeah. but uh, I, I think that's the lone like negative from that game. It's it's likely going to be remembered as one of the best games in, in the history of Rice Eccles. It's, it's the best game that I've ever been to. At least since 2008, when Utah beat TCU, this game was much more exciting. And it was two very evenly matched teams, two you know, very talented teams, and, and and two very good coaching staffs. Um, but you know, not not reading into that aspect of it too much. You know, there is a nice stretch here for Utah to to kind of get some recovery. And we saw some guys get dinged up, especially Dalton Kincaid. You know, and and he's a warrior. He's a tough guy, but he's going to be in treatment a ton this week saw Braden Daniels slow to get up on one play you know there's clearly some injury stuff that we uh we haven't heard about you know in in terms of Michael Mokofisi as, as Kyle Whittingham said in his post-game interview with uh Bill Riley that that was something that they just weren't going to comment on and, and we saw Jaron come play the entire game so in terms of getting guys healthy and and you know resetting for the second half of the season the bye week really does come at a perfect point I think resetting is such a great word that you used right there because it does feel like that's exactly what this Utah team needs to do. And I feel like it's been so many weeks now we've been coming on here talking about a simple mistake, a secondary bust, or just an error in pass in with pass rush angle and tackling or an offensive line taking a mm -hmm. poor angle trying to reach the second level. Like it's just week after week, it's like, oh, it's a simple mistake. They'll just fix it in the next week. They haven't been able to. So now it's yeah. really nice that they can just focus and hone in on practice and really work to try to improve those things. And I think speaking specifically to one area I really want to see is I really want to see this team continue to really work with their defensive linemen on pass rush. I think guys like Van Fillinger, Junior Tafuna, Miki Sugataraka, Jonah Ellis, Connor O'Toole, all these guys, I feel like they have potential. I just don't know if it's been utilized to the best ways yet. And I feel like they've gotten some experience. Now they can go and really watch the film as well. I mean, you can just turn on the third play of the game and Caleb Williams literally has eight seconds in the pocket and honestly could have had longer if he didn't just decide to tuck it and run it. Those are things that just have to change 
change going forward. This Utah team needs to learn how to get home with four. And I think this is a great opportunity during the bye to really hone in on some technique things and try some different things as pass rushers as well, because guys are getting contained way too easily. Yeah, it's the truth. And and I think, you know, this is a Utah football team that really, uh, oh, how do we, how do you say this? Uh, it, is not what we're used to if we're if you're a Utah fan. I, I think that's the best way to really to, to say it. And uh, you know, like you mentioned with Caleb coming out on the very first play uh, and doing the one thing that Utah fans did not want to see, you know, run around in the pocket for eight seconds and and then make a huge play. It, it the hard part about it is it reinforces the narratives, right? And and when you're a football team that's in Utah's position where expectations were so high coming into the season to have those narratives still kind of chasing you around, even at this point in the season, you've got to make some corrections. Now, you know, Kyle Whittingham has said repeatedly that this is a very young group on the defensive line. Very true, right? You have a lot of guys. Gabe Reed is not played in this system and you can see it at times, right? The angles that he takes in his chasing contain. So chasing contain, we talk about C gap, right? C gap on the outside of the tackles. A lot of times he dives inside when he needs to stay a little more square to the line so he doesn't get beat on those reverses, right? And, and you know, you see Van Fillinger, he's much more disciplined in that because he's been in the system. You know, Mo Diabate is a guy that we've talked about, and, and he's improved a ton, but he's got to learn because they're changing things up front that he's got he's to be better at taking on blockers and, and shedding those blockers and not just avoiding it. Um, same with the eye discipline thing, right? Like, like he's gotten much improved, but that's all stuff that you can work on in the bye week, right? Especially with your younger guys who are, you know, new to your system, or I guess we have to say new guys in terms of both inexperienced in playing college football, but also in being in Utah system. And this is, this is not a program where you can just step in and play automatically because they are so dependent upon being absolutely perfect within their system. Yeah, and it's something that hopefully they, a couple of those guys can maybe not get to perfection, but like close enough to perfection that they're able to do it more going yeah. forward. We can talk about there's some things with Diabate I want to touch out a little bit later in this one. But I think one thing as well as we just talked about the technique for the defensive line, you can even flip it to the other side for the offensive line. And this Utah team, look, they're getting it feels like they're getting a, they made a couple positive strides later in this game. I mean, they didn't give up any sacks to SC, but there were still numerous pressures that broke through and obviously just did not run the ball well at all. And we can talk about why that is in a second. But I think the biggest thing for this Utah team is it's just something that they were so good at last year. Tavion obviously had a monster season a season ago. And for this Utah offensive line, they're just missing a lot of things as well. So I really hope that's something in terms of just solidifying a group, they can figure out whether that is if Mokofisi is going to miss time, are they just going to stick with Kump for the rest of the season? I mean, we can talk about why that may or may not be the best idea going forward, but you got to settle in on a group, I feel like, at this point in the year and really commit to them and got to really start working on a number of those things because there are still a lot of times in these games where Utah isn't able to get the push they need up front, and especially they're not able to reach that second level of the linebackers. Yeah, and and you know I think some of that comes back to the the missing piece in Mokofisi and the, and the guards. Um, you know, the very last, the fourth down touchdown that, you know, where Cam Rising goes goes in in on fourth and one you, you can kind of see the limitations that this group has uh paul miley's just undersized at the center position you know and and, and so he's always going to need some help and so you can see on that play particularly both paul and keaton bills get stood up right now the good news is that you've got logan kendall who's an absolute yeah. missile beast. and 
yeah, and and he's come he's he's improved so much, and and really where he is a force is he's two hundred sixty pounds on a down block, and that's easy pickings, you know, because he can just collapse that line, and then you have Dalton Kincaid who. We really don't talk. Look, I, I get it. 16 catches for 200. What was it? 248. Was that the final or uh, two? Whatever yes. it was. Dalton ended up with 217. I got yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah, 217. They, they changed the number at some point in time because they, they, they credited him with a new with a catch after the fact. And regardless, he was tremendous, you know, and and. Uh, but we don't talk enough about his blocking, and he's really the one that just led the way for that touchdown. And and I don't know if you saw this or not, but it looked like they had a little speed option uh, built into that play with Cam and Jaquin and Jackson. Uh, but Cam knew, you know, follow Dalton. Dalton will lead you to victory. Dalton will lead you to glory. And so tucked in right behind Dalton. But there's still just a lot of, you know, Braden Daniels has been terrific at left tackle. There's just no yeah. we're looking at, right? Um, you know, I think Keaton Bills has been much improved at, at left guard position, and he does generate a ton of movement in the run game. Paul Miley, very, very adept at getting that group into, you know, whatever protection and and, and everything like that that they need to be in. Um, you know, and, and, and when he's struggled, it's mostly been against – uh nose techniques like you know yeah. even or, or shaded where he really has to get you know get that second hand up quickly um I'm, I'm doing way too much arm action here for the people who are just listening but um you know and then you look at that right guard position with moko fisi his gifts are he can just he can move people he's a mauler he's he's incredibly strong he gets off the ball well uh, so any lapses he had in terms of scheme or, or picking things up were able to be covered up by the fact that he could just create massive holes. Well, now he's out, and we don't know how long he's out for. Well, and so you see the difference with bringing somebody new in. And, you know, I think we'll talk about it at some point in time, but Jaron Kump is is a big storyline for me moving forward with this unit. And I think you just saw, you know, as good as this offensive line can be, they still have limitations, right? Because you are still undersized in, in theory at the left tackle position. Now it hasn't had a huge impact on you for most of the season, but same, same story at center. And and sometimes that stuff does pop up during the course of a game. It does. And you look, you went down all the offensive line, pretty much. The only guy you didn't mention was to tell man. Now I still yeah. think he, played, he got a little, he got, did some things that were still nice in this game, but I'm looking at the fourth down the, or excuse me, the third down before cam ran the ball and where Makai Bernard got absolutely smacked. He mm. is the one there. So has got to reach second level there. He tried to hang up and wait a second, but you got to realize based on alignment, you don't need to wait there. You just got to go. And because he didn't just go that allowed the linebacker to fly in and make the tackle. If Satawa gets that block, that's a walk-in touchdown for Makai. It is, and and there are a multitude of reasons why, right? He knows he's got an inexperienced guy in, in Jaron Kump next to him. He knows he's been in practice with Jaron all week. He knows he's struggling with certain things, and so he's probably thinking about what Jaron's doing, and he's also thinking about his own stuff, right? You know, Satawa is an all-conference, borderline all-American right guard, and yeah. now he's out there playing right tackle, and you can see at times his confidence level is getting injured because – you know he's getting beat, and and it's. I'm not saying this to be critical of Satawa. I'm 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 actually using this as a critique, a little bit of the coaching staff. Yeah. Um. And in my estimation, that stuff comes down to, the, to Kyle Whittingham. He's the one who makes the the final call on all those personnel decisions, as far as I've been, you know, informed or, or told. And and so if Kyle wants to put up with with these kinds of decisions, then he can live with the criticism from a you know dude sitting in a basement, right? Um. But at the end of the day, like 
that's the danger that you play with when you do things the way that Utah does it, where you just want the guy who knows how to do the thing every single time. And that's what you prioritize above everything else. I think another good example, of this is Bill Belichick in the NFL, right? Where he just, he, he wants smart, you know, tough, intelligent football players. And sometimes you got to take a risk on a guy who's just a better athlete who might struggle through some things. And, you know, I think that's very apparent to me on the offensive line right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. But thankfully for the offense, they were still able to have a very productive day, obviously score 43 points. And we're going to talk about what really went right for them after breaking down the film, as we both were able to do in a second. But first, I want to tell you guys about Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I'm earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. Upside's users earn an estimate of more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So make sure you guys download that free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED. That's LOCKED, uppercase L, everything else lowercase, and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code Locks and make sure you guys head over to your app store and download Upside today. So, Brian, we both had a chance to break down the film. And look, this was a crazy emotional roller coaster of a game. I felt the same way watching the film once again, even just watching the start. I'm looking back and reminded why there were people in the press box I was sitting next to who were tweeting out, This one feels like it's already over because of with how much ease USC was scoring. And we're going to talk about USC's offense in a second. But first, I like to start with the more positive kind of things in terms of the youth perspective, and that is Utah's offense. And the biggest thing for me, it was just so great to see Cam have this kind of a performance where he was in total command of the offense, made so many plays in a game where the game was really on his shoulders. Dante was on the show yesterday, and he did a really good job talking about it. This was the first time where the game was on Cam's shoulder. There was only one other time in really his Utah career where it happened late, where he got that opportunity because against Ohio State, he got knocked out of the game, of course, and that was versus Florida, and he came up just short. So yesterday, the game was on his shoulders time and time and time again, and he delivered and delivered and delivered, whether that was kind of that jump pass he had to Devon early in the first half where pressure broke through. He has to step up. How many times does he run it and get it with his legs? I mean, his ability, there was one fourth down, I want to say, where he carried a linebacker two extra yards to get a first down as well. Just incredible things from Cam. His accuracy was impeccable, did a great job going through his reads, dicing up the defense. Like, there were things as well, like he, he missed Solomon Enos at one point in the game. We don't even talk about that because the good so heavily outweighed the bad so it was so great to watch cam absolutely dominate and prove why he's one of the best quarterbacks and not just the back 12 but i truly believe the country yeah and it's the hard part about it is that he's just not putting up those kinds of numbers consistently every game to get the attention of the national media right but kyle whittingham again you're never going to convince kyle whittingham to do things just for the sake of numbers and he knows the one number that matters to him is qbr and he's got a top five qb in the country in qbr right now uh so if you have any you know if you want to know what kyle whittingham thinks a heisman level qb is that's it right there you know it's a guy who has a high qbr uh rating and and you know, you talk about Cam and it, it, it's, Dante makes a good point, right? He's never been in a situation where the entire start to finish game has been on Cam's shoulders. But I think the unique part about Cam is the very first time we saw him as a quarterback, he stepped into a major hole against San That's Diego State and almost led Utah to a victory. And, and you know, in, in, in my estimation, 
uh, that was a catch by Connor O'Toole on the goal line on that two point yeah. conversion. And Utah probably should have won that game. Now I'm biased. I mean, I'll readily admit that. And, you know, part of me just wanted to win that game too, but we've seen time and time again, that cam cam rising really is at his best when he's out there just wheeling and dealing. And, and I thought the really unique part about this game plan is what happened is, is Utah started letting him run the ball and all of a sudden, boom, it opened up the offense, right? And that was one of those critiques that we talked about against UCLA. If you're going to go open set in the very start of the game, QB draw, QB lead, something with the QB run game to get those defenders thinking about what he can do with his feet rather than just, you know, assuming that Cam is going to be the end-all be-all. And and really what they've done is, is they've kind of – this is going to sound critical, and and that's not my intent. But what Andy Ludwig has done is he's focused so much on the fact that Aunt, that Cam is an accurate, good decision maker that that's all they give him. Okay, we're going to make you throw these pinpoint throws over the top to the tight end, over the middle, you know, in in a variety of coverages, and that's just that's going to be your bread and butter, and just throw it over and over and over and over and over again. And I think really what you saw on Saturday was how good this offense can be when all the parts are working together. Now, that being said, they still threw the ball to Dalton Kincaid 16 times for, you know, 217. Is that what the final number was? Yeah. And how many touchdowns did Dalton have? Two? Just the one, actually. Just that That's one right. where he take the block and then kind of peeled off. Yeah. But uh, Most. Moss, the defender, you know, and literally then got on got lost, by the way, literally yeah. Moss highlighted him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal catch and, you know, they had to review it. What a surprise, but uh, I'm not that was the one I will go. excuse that one. I did, wasn't sure he caught it. I mean, we're obviously really far away. That one was the one I'll be like, I can at least understand why they had yeah. to review that. One, and, I'm not going to defend the officials again, the rest of this podcast, but yeah. And, and look, that's one of those, the, I feel like we have the technology and the ability to do that to make those kind of calls without officials, right? It's really hard for an official to be right in the place, right at the time that they need to be, because they have to essentially be in a thousand different spots on the field. Uh, That being said, the the overall overarching point was that cam finally dealt the way that cam is at his best. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's the cam rising that I saw in the spring that I was just like, this guy is going to blow the world apart. That's the cam rising that I think we've, we would have seen against UCLA had the game plan opened up a little bit more. And, mm-hmm. and I think that's the hard part about a, a team like Utah is that their offense is, is very, I don't want to say basic, but simplistic, right? Like they don't do a whole lot out, outside of inside zone and a few pass concepts and some play action. And they do that for a reason because they execute it so well that most teams can't defend it. But when you start to involve different things, you know, we saw him a little bit in that zone option that Utah essentially made famous with Alex Smith, you know, and, and the way that they involved Makai Bernard, getting the ball to Devon Vele on some of those back shoulder throws, you know, all that kind of stuff that they have tried to do throughout the season, but really hit on in this game and, and added everything else. I think it just made for a, a I hesitate to say historic performance, but it was a historic performance by by Cam, you know, and, and I, I, I try to avoid hyperbole, but you have to wonder, depending on how things go this season, you know, does that fourth and one touchdown end up being kind of like a Heisman-esque moment for Cam? I mean, I, I think it's one of those like September Heisman things we talked about with Michael Penix, right? That's what I feel like yep. it is. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think there are other guys out there that have played extremely well. Hendon Hooker for Tennessee is a guy that, that you have to look at and think, okay, he probably has the edge of, out of anybody right now because he's putting just these gaudy numbers up. But then you kind of look around and you're like, 
okay, mm-hmm. maybe there's still a chance that Cam can get back into this thing. And yeah. the hard part about it is Utah has two losses right now. But mm-hmm. if in our mystical world of everything going perfectly, UCLA wins out and goes undefeated for the entire season, and Utah's only loss in conference is on the road at USC or U, or excuse me, yeah, UCLA. Right. Yeah. If UCLA wins out and goes undefeated and their only loss is on the road at UCLA, that bodes extremely well for Utah. Now we've always seen all, Alabama already has a loss and, and you have to wonder what else is going to happen. It just kind of has a feel that this is the year where crazy things are about to happen. And, you know, the, I think the programs you're always looking for are Georgia and Ohio state, you know, how are those ones going to handle the craziness? Yeah. Um, but if things start to go the way college football trends and, and we've seen it every single week with just chaos happening, there's a good chance that Utah is still in the conversation for a lot of stuff that they were in at the beginning of the year that we thought was now gone with the UCLA loss. Yeah, I 100% agree. You can still get up into the, the high rankings like that. Look, it would take an absolute almost colossal world yeah. scenario for yeah. this team to get back into the college football playoff per se. But like you mentioned, getting back in the top 10, all those kind of things and being a Pac-12 champion, even getting Cam in that Heisman race. People might scoff on that, but I don't see any clear front runner for the Heisman right now. No one's really taking control of it. You mentioned Hendon Hooker. He's been playing phenomenally, but I don't think he by any means has the massive lead over the other quarterbacks in the country. So who's to say Cam can't do this a bunch of weeks, get a couple of monumental wins, one being against Oregon, of course, and then another in the Pac-12 championship that he wouldn't be able to get in this kind of a race as well. Also, oh, what were you going to say, Brian? I, I was just going to say, you know, I, I think the other thing, too, is he went to head to head to head with another potential Heisman uh, candidate. It was incredible and, in this game, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Caleb. Well, both Caleb Williams and Dorian okay. Thompson Robinson, you know, yeah. okay. and, and, and so I think, you know, we talk about this and it's hard because you don't want to sound homerish. Right. But at the same time, like you said, there's nobody else out there that's just like planting their flag. Like, it's going to be me yeah. like him, you know, yeah. uh, uh, I'm trying to be hip. Still, I don't always get it right, but you know, the, I, I think Enjoy really, I, and and really, what we saw Saturday, I think more than anything, was his teammates stepping up. Those guys stepping to the table, playing well, and really highlighting just how good a quarterback Cam Rising is. One thousand percent. He had a fantastic game and was able to lead these Utes. And because he was able to do that, this Utah team is still alive for a lot of things. Also, you mentioned the Tennessee game. That was as loud as I've ever heard the Utah fans react to something not Utah football related. The entire stadium erupted as soon as that kick went in. You would think Utah was like scheduled to play Alabama or they were in their conference. Everyone just loves seeing the top dog go down. So that was so much fun just to hear everyone so excited because I won't lie. I mean, I was smiling as well. And, and there's always going to be a little bit of history between Utah and Alabama. You know, Utah fans are always going to kind of believe that they're still getting a one up on on the Crimson Tide and, and uh, enjoy that 2008 Sugar Bowl victory as long as you want, folks. You hey, know. One team beat a top 10 this week. The other didn't. That's all. I'm yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the truth. That's the truth. And, you know, I had a friend who was at Neyland and he said it was just absolute chaos. I had the greatest game he's ever seen, blah, blah, blah. All post. And, the goalpost yeah. was oh my incredible. Gosh. I was literally just sitting in the press box just following that. It was fantastic. Yeah, and and just I I think it was David Ubbin wrote a story for the yeah, athletic about the, the yeah, <laughs> everywhere it went and and just, you know, but the unique part about this is I, as I look full perspective as a fan who used to sit at Rice Eccles Stadium when there are 10,000 people in there. Um Utah's game against USC was right up there with Alabama, the top team in the country going down. And and so I think that's the importance of, of everything that we've talked about in terms of 
the conference going forward, right? And and it's it's sad because I was talking to my UCLA fan friends, and we're getting way off topic, and I apologize, but my my buddies who came into town to watch the game from USC, and we're all just sitting there like, why can't we keep doing this? You know, like like this sucks. Like we don't want to stop this. It's great rivalry. It's very a true. lot of fun, very you know, and, and very different programs with different histories. Um, you know, but now all of a sudden in the limelight and it's, 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 a, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, is just really enjoy this win as long as you can. If you're a fan, you know, the, the, the team is going to get back to business. You know, they're already back to it. Right. Already, yeah. Um, but if you're a fan, just really let that one soak in and enjoy it because that's a great moment. And you know, whatever happens down the road is going to happen. Just, you know, you got to enjoy it. Like you mentioned, the team, we were recording this podcast at 3.54 Mountain Time on a Monday. Yeah. They are literally at practice right now, yep. working on a couple of things, enjoying what the start of their bye week. And we're going to put a bow on this game when we come back in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you guys about Nissan. Our partners at Nissan have worked with us to create a new segment across the Locked On College Network titled Thrilling Moments, where we highlight the most exciting play from the Utes weekend this week, and as well as thrilling moments just from the team in general, being the Utah Utes. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles as capable as the drivers themselves. When I think of unbelievable abilities on the field from this week's thrilling moments, it absolutely has to be not one, but two fantastic plays by Cam Rising to win the Utes the game, running it in on fourth down himself, and then, of course, the two-point conversion where he scrambled in, shook off the tackles, got into the end zone. What fantastic plays both of those were. Those would be my Nissan Heisman moments for this one brian which ones would you go with yeah I, I man i have a hard time not going with uh cam rising on fourth down that that one was just a big one for me and and just ooh, I, you know just that's that that's the epitome of, of a true heisman moment to me so 100 a heisman moment a thrilling moment cam rising had that kind of a performance and made that kind of plays in that game this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across nissan's new lineup of vehicles pursue what thrills you in the new frontier armada or pathfinder today available at nissanusa.com brian before we jump off the offense i just think it's worth mentioning as well just the dominant day dalton had it was so much fun watching him go out there he does such a great job against zones finding those soft spots those opening areas hauling in balls and what was so impressive too is just the amount of yards after contact he was able to generate it was actually ended up being 79 yards after contact in this one which i gotta believe is also a career high for him as well as all the other numbers he was able to put up in this one one catch shy of an fbs tight end record as well so so much fun to watch dalton do his thing and just last thing just on the offense in general watching the film just so fun to watch this playbook get opened up as you spoke to earlier seeing a philly special where devon bailey throws the ball to cam rising seeing the deep shot to money parks really pay off and actually work and just seeing how this offense felt look this utah team was still supposed to be run 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 in this game it was pass 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 and they got it done against the seventh ranked team because of the performance they had on the offensive side of the ball yeah, and this is not a slouch defense from USC, too. That's one of the best defensive fronts in the Pac-12, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and and you can see it, right? They play physical. They're strong. They're stout. And they're aggressive. Yeah. And, you know, I it was uh, – you know – you can see what USC is trying to do, right? Like, like, like they're just not there yet. And, and, you know, we can talk about portals and everything like that and all the off the field stuff and how a team is built. Doesn't matter to me. Like it for a first round, that's, that's a pretty solid thing, but I think the unique part about it, and I've said this at the start of the season that the, the trouble that Lincoln Riley would encounter would not necessarily be 
uh, you know, the stuff that he's doing within his program, it would be learning about all the other coaches and the staffs and everything like, like that. And I think Lincoln made a pretty critical error when he assumed that Kyle Whittingham was just going to go to for one at the end of that game. And that's, you know, Lincoln is going to learn. Kyle, Kyle Whittingham is a game manager to, you know, to the core. And there's no one better in the business at managing a game and getting a team to play within that, that, that skeleton plan that, that he sets out. And then, you know, he said on, on in the post game that they had it planned out early on. You know, even, I think it was even the drive before that he was talking to Andy on the headset about how, you know, if, if, you know, if it comes down to this point and this time, then this amount of time we need to go for two and we have to have a play call ready to go. And they did, yep. you know, and I just think that was one place, you know, as good as USC was schematically. And, and, you know, we can talk about the holds and whatever, that's a really well coached football team. And then they were much improved on the offensive line and everything like that, that I was kind of surprised by overall, but uh, you know, watching the film, it's clear that that, that team is coached well and, and they're aggressive and strong, but Utah also is incredibly well coached and aggressive and strong. And you saw what they did. They took advantage of, of the height mismatch that they had at the wide receiver position Devon Vailey with the back shoulder throws, you know, Dalton Kincaid, man, Holy cow. Like, he was eating all game long and and listen i think bill riley put it best when he said you know kyle said in, in the post game and i just keep quoting this uh not ver- verbatim but kyle said he's one of the best tight ends in the country and i don't think anybody knows that and bill interjections said well they do now and that's really you know the, the the whole point of this whole thing for for dalton is that he's a day one day two kind of guy in the nfl and i, I think we've been saying it for a long time we believed it i you know i i love brant keithy's versatility but i think his future is probably in the slot a little bit more at, at the next level um you know maybe like a kyle juice check type player where, where he can yeah. be versatile dalton kid is a tight end and you saw every aspect of his game from the ability to catch the toughness the blocking all of it and he is just an absolute stud and i think he goes down as one of the the greatest youths of all time you know and and, and you can go watch the watch the tape he never takes it takes a play off and you know um i think this is just one of those games where that's utah at its best that's utah at its apex and that's the utah program that we expected to see all year long finally showing up I think I agree with that on the offensive side of the ball. Unfortunately, yeah. it's not the Utah team we saw on the defensive side of the ball. And that's where and your, your eyes just said it right there as well. So let's move into the defensive side for this Utah team. We talked about just the lack of pressure early on as well. I think it was also just disheartening at moments to see even guys like Clark Phillips. Look, and that's what's going to happen against the best receivers as well. Is you're going to lose from time to time as well. And really hope Jordan Addison was okay. I know he didn't seem great after the game. So hopefully he's able to be all right moving forward. But yeah, the Trojans, look, Lincoln Riley and the Trojans, they came in with a really good game plan. They got things done, even running the ball early on. Travis Dye and this offensive line were eating as well. Just when you have that much time to operate and throw, you're going to get diced up. And one thing, you spoke to Diabate earlier. Teams are going to continue to run reverse and just misdirection plays in general until he stops over-pursuing and taking poor angles because every single time, even he was still in a position where he would have had a chance to make a play on that first reverse, but his eyes are so locked in on die he didn't even see the ball get pitched until it was way too late so it's just something he's gonna have to clean up this defense in general will have to clean 
mm-hmm. up in some of their coverage issues as well, because even though there's still all day to throw, there were a couple times as well on blitzes where Utah did get pressure in, and they did get home and did a good job with some of those blitzes, right? Clark Phillips coming yeah. in. I thought that was a great call that time around, but there's still times where guys get open. And now, thankfully, you're not going to face an offense like this potentially until you get to the Pac-12 championship game again. But look, Oregon's offense is no slouch either. And thankfully, Utah has a long time. That just doesn't include the bye week, but it includes three other games until that point as well to kind of shape things up and get in a good position. Yes. And I think some of it will will improve, right? I think, you know, you're, you're seeing guys who are still kind of newish or or lack of game in-game experience making Talk some of the same How you do against last year's San Diego State game. He's the one who was catching the two-point conversion. Yeah. Now this yeah. year, he's the guy trying to get after the quarterback. That is a massive change. Yeah. And, well, and I mean, the one that I'm thinking of as well is R.J. Hubert, where we yeah. kind of saw Florida R.J. come out and, and taking some of those bad angles and having to adjust and everything like that. And you could kind of see just really how – how, how dependent Utah is on on the scheme, and, and, and when they kind of when you get out in the open, and you have a team like USC where the athletes are just the the top of the top. And look, I don't know if there's a better athlete at quarterback. Mm, man, that's tough. But Caleb Williams is one of the most incredible athletes at quarterback that I've ever seen. He's incredibly twitchy and fast. You just don't expect that kind of ability from a quarterback. You know, the sack uh, in the end zone was incredible that he evaded uh, and run for another twenty yards after that as well. There are not a lot of quarterbacks in the country who get out of that. Yeah, and and there's not a whole lot of ways to, to to protect against that. And and look, he's done that all year against every defense he's faced. You know, Utah was just able to get the job done, and so I don't think it's necessarily a, a full indictment that this defense is terrible and that there's no rescuing it. But there's still a lot to improve on, and thankfully, Caleb Williams is in the rear view. But that should you know that should be motivating these guys within the bye week to really get to work on some of this stuff. And and you mentioned Mo Diabate, and I think some of it is that Utah is finally using Mo in a, in a position where he's forced to do a lot of that stuff. And in, in previous regimes, he's always been used as an edge player or a force player where he didn't have to do a lot of that stuff. And Utah is just going to live and die with this kind of stuff because, you know, call it stubborn, call it sticking to your system, call it whatever you want. You know, I said at the beginning of the year, I thought this defense was going to be really dominant because you had so much versatility and you could do so many things differently. We haven't seen a lot of that vaunted cowboy package that Utah used so much last year with Cole Bishop. And and I think, you know, the emergence of Sione Vaki on special teams, Clayton Isbell make a big play on special teams. You have to wonder if, if that, you know, I'm showing you coach, I'm putting it out on film. I'm, I'm, I'm putting my effort on, on special teams. Let me out there on Saturdays, you know, during the actual game. You have to wonder if maybe during the bye week, Utah doesn't start looking at some of those guys and being like, okay, how do we get Sione Vaki out on the field more? How do we get Clayton Isbell out on the field more? How do we get Mo Diabate in, in more edge situations where he can rush? Because at the end of the game where he starts rushing, now all of a sudden that co- that pocket got, was collapsing a lot quicker because he is so quick and good off the edge. So it, it's you know, and, and the hard part, too, is you mentioned Connor O'Toole. They got five defensive ends that they're rotating in throughout the game. So some of those guys are going to be a little bit limited in terms of their development. Um, so some of that stuff is going to have to get ironed out in the bye week. But it's just it's not the crisp, suffocating defensive performance that we were expecting to see. The part that I'm starting to get nervous about is the things I expected, the turnovers, the chaos, the, the, the big plays on defense are now starting to disappear. And if that's going by the wayside, now it's starting to, like, let's pull all the levers, man, because it's mm, – I don't want to see – I don't want that, JT. I don't want it. I don't want I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I, I don't want I don't want it either, Brian. I can promise you that. Brian, what are a couple of things you have going on that you're excited about, or just how you spend the bye week? Uh, so I'll, I I don't know. <laughs> As you can see, there's construction That's going on around you just here. Don't know what our life is without Utah football. Yeah, I, I, our schedules are dictated by football and football only. So so we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm going to try and do a playback at some point this week, maybe Thursday or Saturday, you know, since we don't have a Utah game, I think that's a fun way to interact with fans and a much lower pressure environment when uh, it's not your team involved. So I'll, I'll throw a couple ideas out for that. Um, You know, and, and obviously, you know, I'll be chiming in on Twitter and, and, and wherever else you might find me. And, And there may be something coming up soon as well, but also we got a big one on Friday. So tune into KSL sports rewind for some high school stuff. If you're, local to the utah area tons of fun high school games going on and like you said it's only a week we have to be without utah football. Yeah. but here on locked on Utes, we don't take a bye so we'll have tons of great content coming up for you the rest of the week lots of season evaluation stuff at this point with this utah program also by the time this is being recorded we have not been able to talk with the you coach whittingham as well as the players so we'll learn some stuff as well and break that all down on tomorrow's locked on Utes. but until then if you guys are in the market for a second listen every day we recommend you check out the locked on pac 12 podcast where host spencer mclaughlin and other local experts take you around the conference in under 30 minutes lots of fun game reactions going on there especially spencer today even opened his show talking about the utes and how great a time is it to be a pac-12 fan you got four teams in the top 15 a great matchup this saturday as well there's lots of fun stuff going on brian appreciate you for joining us to break it all down and thank you guys for listening to locked on utes that's it for today but we'll see you tomorrow